Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, in case I don't say it again. No, I already said good morning. No, you know, uh, this year, I know we, we probably all said it or going to say it or at some point. But uh, the year the year's flown by, hasn't it? And, uh, and I was just, uh, just worshiping the Lord, and uh, like each song that was selected, I mean, I could truly worship the Lord uh, in and through. And I was thinking just how, how blessed, um, I, can I just brag about how blessed I am? <laughs> just for a moment. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm blessed to have a team of servants um, that I get to participate in serving the Lord with, you know. So for each and every one of you, um, you know, we talked about children's ministry teachers, ushers, greeters, maintenance, uh, sound, CG, uh, missions, everything. Like everyone who's participated, I have had the joy of serving alongside with you. And we're serving the Lord together. And so it's truly been just something that I I don't want to miss out on you know, the, these gifts that we um, are going to exchange on uh, Christmas morning or sometimes Christmas Eve right at midnight, you know, there's the exchange of gifts. You know, they're, they're wonderful. Um, but really, I, I get to personally enjoy these gifts of you on a daily basis throughout the whole year. And, and I, I feel like I get to, I'm privileged to come alongside you and serve the Lord together. And so I just want to thank you um, just for being willing and being available uh, to serve the Lord together. So thank you. Um, I, I do want to say something about uh, the Christmas Eve service, uh, 3 p.m. So 3 p.m. on Tuesday. Make it a point to be here. Um, it is a time, it's just one hour that we're going to be spending. Uh, we stay pretty close to that. Sometimes we go over by about five minutes, so don't uh, don't get too upset if we go over a little bit, uh, but not too much um, over the, the one hour. So I encourage you to bring your family. That's a great opportunity. You know, as we were uh, praying in the back room, again, I remind you, 9 o'clock every Sunday we pray in the back room. Uh, come, on, come, come on out and join us. Uh, we were praying and we were, uh, you know, just expressing to the Lord that this is a great opportunity for us. Uh, this time of year uh, we know we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And so it's a great time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with, uh, with our loved ones, with our friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, anyone who would lend their ear to us. Uh, and it's expected. And so take full advantage of this season and uh, spread the Christmas cheer by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around you. And um, so just in, in 3 p.m. on Tuesday is a great opportunity to do that very thing. We're going to be, of course, uh, we have a, a message uh, on the birth of Christ. And, uh, and we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to learn what that is. And so I would encourage you to invite your family and friends and everyone that you can uh, to that service. And then you can go and enjoy your time eating and, uh, and enjoying some, uh, some fellowship with your family. So last Sunday, um, it was um, announced that I was going to sing to you, right? So today's the day. Today's the day. 
uh, a little bit maybe. But no, I want, I want to start out with this because uh, we just finished Second Thessalonians. Uh, we're actually, you know, I've been praying about what, what book to go into. Back in 2010, um, there were just a, a few of you who were with us um, when we went through the book of Acts. And, um, and that is uh, basically a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. And, um, and so, but we didn't go over it. We didn't go through it on Sunday mornings. We went through it on Wednesday nights. Now, that first year that we were a church in 2010. And for those of you who were there, just raise your hands, please. Actually, quite a few. Wow, that's awesome. We're going to do it again. But we're going to do it on Sundays. So that's what we're going to go into next, is, is the book of Acts. And, um, you know, just as I, I think about the church and what it is today, um, we can't be reminded enough of what it should look like. Um, and, uh, and be reminded of how it is that the church started and, and who is the head of the church. And so we're going to go into the book of Acts, but we're going to take a few weeks. Of course, today is a special message. The title of this morning's message is Our Inexpressible Gift. Um, and um, so we're going to start that at the beginning of, of the coming year, which is just in a few weeks. Um, now, in preparation for... Wednesday. Wednesday is coming, right? The 25th. That's the day that we have chosen, we have set aside to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thought today would be a good day to prepare our hearts for that very day. You know, going into perhaps Tuesday afternoon's message and so we start out with um, just, the, just the title, Our Inexpressible Gift, who we know to be Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians, in, by the way, we're gonna, if you want to turn with me uh, in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, um, we're going to start off there, but we're going to be throughout the Bible. Uh, I'm not going to expect you to flip through the Bible every time we, um, we make a change because it's going to be going fast. Uh, but I'm sure it'll be up on the behind me, um, and, and you can follow along. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, the Apostle Paul writes, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. In some versions of uh, some uh, translations say indescribable, right? Which reminded me of a, of a song that we haven't sung in a long time. <clears throat> it starts out like this. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creations revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. All-powerful, untamable, awestruck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing God, right? You know, when we would sing that song, I would just think of creation around us, you know, the stars in the sky, and he knows them by name. 
He knows the number of grains of sand that are on our seashores. He knows each and every one of you and every hair that you have on the top of your head or don't have. (laughs) He knows you by name. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He's truly indescribable. In the course of our life, we will receive gifts of different sizes, colors, and value. We'll receive gifts that we absolutely love and others that we could do without. But over the course of our lives, we will receive gifts. Some gifts will be physical objects. Other gifts will come in the form of people, grandparents, parents, brothers and sisters, spouses, children, and friends. And yes, teachers too. And Sunday school teachers. And the list goes on. Other gifts will come in the form of counsel, and we pray the counsel will be timely and sound and full of wisdom. Some gifts are hidden to find. Others are chosen openly. But there is one gift that surpasses them all. The gift has no beginning and has no end. This gift cannot be wrapped because it is too big, and yet, at the same time, this gift can fit inside you and me. This gift is what you would describe as inexpressible. Inexpressible. I think that's a great word to describe Jesus. It's interesting. We can't fully put into words. We say amazing, wonderful. We're awestruck. He is glorious. But we will not know that fully until we come into his very presence and to all of his glory. He is a gift too wonderful and magnificent and awesome to fully describe in words. He is the creator of the universe and yet was born humbly in a manger in Bethlehem. And he loved you so much that he came knowing that he must give his life for you to know it eternally with him. He is the gift given by the Father and he has a name and it is the name above all names. Philippians 2, 6, 3, 11 says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the gift who was planned from before the foundations of the world, given with perfect love, and he willingly demonstrated that love by suffering and dying on a cross, that you may know that personally, that is that love by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He's not a gift found under a tree, but one that was willing to be put on a tree for you and I. And his name is Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He was born 2,000 years ago and yet has no beginning and he has no end. He was born humbly and yet he is the king of the universe. He was born in darkness and yet he is the light of the world. And I want to talk about this inexpressible gift 
that was given for you and me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, in the end, whether we accept the gift or not, God knew that we needed a Savior, and he sent one. His only begotten Son, that through him we would know salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and that we would come to know reconciliation to the Father through him. This is the gift we are celebrating. The gift was sent to save. Father, we want to commit this morning into your hands. Lord, speak to us. Help us to understand what exactly, who exactly it is that we are celebrating this Christmas. Is it just the traditions that we have set up as families, as a nation? Are we longing more for the gifts under the tree than the gift that was given to us on the tree? Who is it? Who is this child that was born 2,000 years ago? Is the gift one that we only look to in the manger? No, it is far beyond that. Isn't it, Father? The gift that was given to us, Father, help us to understand. Help us to find joy in this time in spite of the circumstances that we may find ourselves in. Because the joy is found in the hope that we have come to know in Jesus Christ for all those who have come to believe in him. He is the resurrection and the life, and that is the gift. And so I pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes to see, open up our ears to understand, that we may come to know and perhaps realize that Christmas is is not about what we perhaps have made it into. Lord, it's all about Jesus Christ and salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to take a moment of your time, if you will, and, and I want to go through, um, I want to make every attempt to biblically describe who Jesus is. So, Let's start out with John chapter 1. So please turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You see, Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. God the Father... God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And in John chapter 17, verse 5, it says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And so I wanted to point out, first and foremost, that Jesus is God. He's always existed, does exist, and always will exist. He is eternal. And so Jesus is eternal. There was no single point at which Jesus suddenly came into existence or at which he began a relationship with God. Jesus is God and he is eternal. First point, we're going to continue. Because we know that Jesus is God, but Jesus is flesh also. In that same chapter and in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. I couldn't help but think, as we were going through um, that song, Mary, Did You Know? And I don't know about you, but as we go through these songs, um, I think of like the different um, verses that we sing. I, I start throwing 2 Corinthians 5.17 up, uh, John 3.16. Um, in, in like, it's just like the, the verses were, were coming, were coming. Because I know that this is, this is sound scripturally. Uh, Isaiah 9.6, or he's, he's Prince of Peace, he came humbly. Where was that um, prophesied about, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem? Micah 5.2 or 5.3? 5.2, I think. So you think about all these things, and, and we begin to see who Jesus is, how it was that he was prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament, and we see who he is. He's, he's brought all things together in him. He's the fulfillment of what has been spoken. But he came in the flesh. He didn't, quote-unquote, appear in the flesh or appear to be in the flesh, but he was in the flesh. Deity was veiled behind humanity when he became flesh. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1:15 through 17 says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Uh, this is a time of rejoicing as we go through the description of who Jesus is, by the way. What I'm trying to do and, and working toward is, is helping us as his people understand who it is that we're celebrating. Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God, the very substance and embodiment of the Creator. Jesus is also the mediator between God and man. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 
says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. He is the mediator. There's no one else that mediates between us and God. We can enter boldly into the throne room of grace and find help, mercy in time of need. The only reason why we ask other people to pray for us is because they join us. They stand in the gap, but they are not the mediators between us and God. He's given us access through the Father, through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. There is only one way to approach God, through the Son who gave himself as a ransom for all men. He is head over all things. Philippians 2.9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 27 and 28, it is written, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjected, uh, subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. You know, sometimes we're, we're searching for something to satisfy, something to fulfill us. And outside of Christ, we'll always fall short. You see, Jesus' name is the name, and one, one that is positioned with the highest dignity and honor at the right hand, and is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is also the son of David, Mark chapter 10, verses 47 and 48. says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. It's interesting because Jesus didn't rebuke him. And by the way, he was blind. How did he come to know? It was because the Spirit gave him, gave him understanding. He knew who it was that had come, the son of David. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 9, it says, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. This is what we, would, we have come to know as Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. They continued, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You see, the people recognized Jesus as David's descendant because he was, just as it was prophesied. And so they acknowledged him for who he was. They knew who, he, who, who they were worshiping and praising at that very moment. He didn't deflect the worship. He didn't deflect the praise. He received it, for God is worthy of our praises. He's worthy to be praised among all. But Isaiah also says 
that Jesus was a man of sorrows. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, if you're despised, if you're filled with sorrow in grief, know that Jesus understands and he knows full well, perfectly, exactly what you're going through. But it is through him, through the man of sorrows, that we have hope, that we can have joy in the midst of the, the sorrow and the grief that we experience. He's come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And, and he was referring to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Our sins and weaknesses were ours, not his, and yet he bore them for us. Still, yet today, if, if we would acknowledge that, if we would understand that, Jesus is sinless. Turn with me to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. I do love the sound of Bibles turning, though. I know I'm not knocking you if you're using this. But... um, I just pray that you would repent and go back to uh, (laughs) Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. He went. But he was blameless, spotless. He was sinless. He didn't go for his own sins. He went for the sins of you and I. Jesus is also the power and wisdom of God, according to 1 Corinthians one twenty four and Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
and Prince of Peace, according to Isaiah 9-6. Jesus is also the light of the world. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and we read this earlier, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 9.5 says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You see, Christ is the only true light. Jesus is also the anointed one, the Messiah. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in John chapter 3, verse 34, it says, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gave the Spirit without measure. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Jesus is also the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. This speaks of an intimate relationship. If you understand the relationship between a shepherd and the sheep, you you will begin to understand how much care the sheep need. Uh, They are in desperate need of, of a good shepherd that can anticipate their needs. And Jesus anticipates our needs. He knows what we need. And so him being the good shepherd, and there's only one good shepherd, it's Jesus Christ. Desires to come close. The Bible says if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He's always there. It's not that that he turns his back on us because he'll never forsake us is what the Bible says. We turn our backs on him. We are those sheep who are prone to go astray, as the song says, as the hymn says. Right? We're the ones that do that. But the moment we turn around, oh, there he is. And he embraces us. Just as that father with the prodigal son, a picture of that. He sees us from afar and runs to us and embraces us. And so he desires that intimate relationship. He is the good shepherd. This describes a relationship, one of care and protection, the keeping of the sheep by the good, true shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus is also the bread of life. John 6, 35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know, godliness with contentment is great gain. Again, you know, I, I, I can go back to times before Christ to where I was, you know, searching for love and all the wrong. <laughs> More singing, sorry. Um, no, it was just, and that's probably, and that, that dated me, right? That's an old song, yeah. But that's our lives. Yeah, we do it in different ways. It's, um, you know, in the things that we do, the things that we get, the people that we are in contact with uh, the popularity, power, money, all kinds of things. We're trying to satisfy ourselves with those things, and they will never satisfy. They didn't satisfy me. I understood that when I came to know the bread of life. I've not hungered. I'm not thirsty. I'm not looking for anything else. 
You see, Jesus is the everlasting satisfaction. He is the staple of our lives. He is also healer and forgiver. Luke chapter 5, verses 21 through 25 says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. He is healer. And he is forgiver. In Christ, we are new creatures, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. He gives us new hearts. We, we have been um, turned into completely different creatures in Christ. Jesus is also the only way to the Father. John 14.6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Talk about a gift. You know, the, the world will say there are many ways to God. And God says, no, no, I'm speaking. Can, can I speak for myself? Right? So the world tries to speak for God. And God has spoken. And God said, no, 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 only through my son. Only through him. And Jesus declared I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Don't you want a Father who will give you the truth? Don't you want someone who will not say, yeah, believe whatever you want? You know, your happiness really does come from fulfilling the desires of your, of your own heart. When the Bible says your heart is deceitful and wicked, who can know it? We have to teach especially our kids, just how wicked this thing is. Because we've made God in our own image. And God has spoken. And he says, there's only one way to the Father, and it's through my Son, Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. Romans 10.9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And by the way, that verse, verse 13, is a quotation from Joel 2.32. And so you start to see, if you read through the whole Bible, how it is that the old and new intertwine. How it is that the New Testament looks back at the Old Testament and looks at Jesus as the one who came to fulfill. And the Father is saying, there's no other way to me than through my Son. That is the path. That is the door. Through the Good Shepherd, through Jesus Christ. And you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. As it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, not, not by our own works, lest we should boast about our salvation. We can't save ourselves. 
There's only one who came to save. And it's through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And John eleven twenty five through 27 said, uh, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. You see, there was an exchange with the Samaritan woman. Jesus and this, this woman. And, and so he, he said this to her. And he still says it today. And do you believe? Do you believe that in Jesus, though you may die physically, yet spiritually you shall live forever? Do you believe that? Because that's what gives hope to today. That's what gives meaning to today. That's what gives meaning to your lives, our lives. Jesus Christ, He is the substance of joy. I wanted to come to you this morning and describe to you who we're celebrating. Just in preparation. To to celebrate with great joy this Christmas 2019. Because, Because we're not promised 2020. Nobody's promised. And so the greatest gift that I was given was salvation. When my friend... He laid it all out. Oh, it was the greatest gift that I've ever been given. Ever been given. Is salvation through Jesus Christ. And I pray that for you this morning, if, if you're here and you don't know salvation in Jesus Christ, well, you've heard who he is. He is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, the gift has been offered. But it's up to us whether we receive it or not. You've done no work. And that is no work to receive it. It's simply an acceptance, an acceptance, a reception of the gift. And just confessing. Declaring that Jesus is not only your Savior, but your Lord. Jesus is a Lord of life. Eternal life is with him, known in him. And he offers it to all who are willing to believe. That's it. That is it. Would you confess this morning Jesus is Savior and Lord? I pray that you would. If you're here and perhaps have turned your back on him, I I ask, don't waste another moment. Come back to him. Recommit your life to him. Ask him for forgiveness. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I want to close with this. And by the way, afterwards, you know, Steve and myself, some of the leadership will be up here. We're always here to, 
to be available to you to pray. And if you do ask the Lord to be Savior, if you ask Him for forgiveness, and this very morning, this very moment, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we'd like to hear about it because we'd like to come alongside you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you've recommitted your life to the Lord, we'd like to hear about it. We'd like to pray with you. We'd like to encourage you on your walk with the Lord. If you're here and you just need prayer, whatever it is, we'd like to hear about it. Because we'd like to pray for you. Because the Bible says that the effective and fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. And so we know it's not righteousness of our own, but it's the righteousness of Christ that covers us. And so we'd like to join you. We'd like to stand in the gap on your behalf and truly be our brother's keepers. Come up and let us pray for you and with you. Let us rejoice with you if you have perhaps a praise report. This is the church. I'll close with this. Jesus is eternal, made flesh, the image of the invisible God, mediator between God and man, head over all things, the son of David, a man of sorrows, sinless, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He is the power and wisdom of God. He is the light of the world, the anointed one, the good shepherd, the bread of life, healer and forgiver. He is the way and the truth and the life, and he is the resurrection and the life. This is the inexpressible gift we celebrate and can know by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know him? And is this the gift you are celebrating this Christmas? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Father, we thank you for that inexpressible gift. Truly indescribable, uncontainable. And I pray, Lord, that we would consider your majesty. That you are mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That, Father, you sent the Son to die on the cross on our behalf. And let us consider how great salvation is. How great your grace is toward us. And how it is that you demonstrated your love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I just ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts. That you would put a spring in our step, Lord, because we have joy and we have hope. And we have just a complete satisfaction in you. Lord, because our eyes are fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Let us celebrate with great joy this Christmas the true gift that was given to us. For God, you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you for that eternal life. We just bless you, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name.